This is the Fail Fast Podcast. Stories of entrepreneurs who looked at failure in the eyes and didn't give up. With your host, Quinn Amorum. Welcome back to the show. Today, we have a special guest who believes that when you tell your story, you can change the world. She is the CEO of Happy Communications Group. She's a master of happiness and creative expression. She's also number one international best-selling author of over 30 books and runs a company called Happy Communications Group to give entrepreneurs a bigger voice in this planet. She is also a podcast creator. She has more than one podcast, just like me, and she has created over two dozen podcasts for other people uh, since 2017. Uh, she also has a book publishing company, Happy Publishing, and she has published over 200 number one best-selling authors. Welcome, Erica Klessing. How's it going, Erica? Hi, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm kind of tired even listening to everything I, I've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Erica, let's start here with, uh, so was one thing that's impressive is that you you published so many books of your own books for other people we're we're going to get into that but first i want to hear about uh, what we were talking before podcast that you had you launched it was an epic failure uh, oh my you want, gosh <laughs> you want to tell us that story oh my gosh well i was actually contacted by a producer in my local area and i don't remember the details but they offered me this great thing of doing the recording and they have all this professional equipment and a beautiful studio, uh, not that far from my house. And so I got really excited and mm. I didn't have a show yet. And so I had a logo done. Actually, I kept my logo. Mm. <laughs> it's the only thing out of the flames and the ashes from that project. Mm. <laughs> my logo stayed. But um, I actually got eight guests that which were all phenomenal. Like we're talking major best-selling author type guests. And mm. we all had our, uh, we actually got pretty. We did it audio and video. And I had a production assistant, three cameras. We had, I actually found one of my friends, her husband is a professional um, saxophone player who plays in a band. And they came and did the intro music like, like, you know how, how Ellen has a posse? Yes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got me a posse. <laughs> <laughs> Those recordings, it just, nothing worked. Like, nothing worked. It's so hard to explain. The the people, they didn't give us, like, each microphones. Mm -hmm. So, but I didn't know any better, right? So it was like one lav mic on me, which if anyone's like not into the podcast, like one lav mic is like, it's supposed to be like on your clip on your next to your mouth. And yeah. they had like one lav mic for both guests. So oh. it didn't work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then, oh my gosh, there were so many things that went wrong. Um, basically though, like, I guess if I had to just kind of pop out of that experience, um, I learned a lot of things like, really taking control myself of the production quality and not letting someone else know better. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And you, you had a live saxophone player. It wasn't just they would play it once you record that intro. They were actually there during the recordings. Yeah. I actually had him there, his, his team. Well, no, 
he played by himself and then i it was all original music his music is so good though oh my gosh his music is so good um it was really an interesting experience what i did is i had stacked the shows into two production days because production time was so expensive even though i wasn't paying for it money wise but it's still mm -hmm. i recognize the expense of, of that production company right yeah. Yeah. And so uh, we cut eight shows in two days over two weeks. So, and that was supposed to be, we were going to do 13. And after I listened to them, I was just, mm. I, you know, it's funny looking back, like it'd be so easy to have done it right. Like now I know how to do a podcast and I actually teach that. Like so many of the mistakes we've made, I wouldn't have had to mm. make. Yeah, and why did dude have to come? Like, he could have recorded his music and given me an MP3. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it sounds like a production that even bigger than uh, Joe Rogan has. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my show was asking to be like Ellen and Queen Latifah, and I had this vision in my third eye. Like, I had this vision of what I had wanted it to become, and I didn't know how to get there, right? Mm -hmm. um, but... You know, looking back, here's the thing is in 2017, my show launched correctly and it really did beautiful and it, and it overcame all those obstacles. But so if, I don't think if I'd failed, I could have done it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So and basically you you, you check the stats uh, on, on the podcast and this, the, the downloads weren't there. Is that basically where the failure was? Right. No, so the first show never, I actually never released. Oh, okay. Yeah, it died on the cutting room floor, as they say in Hollywood. Mm. And then I did another show in 2016. And that one only for the whole year had 200 listens, streaming listens. Oh. So considering my show in July had 10,000 downloads, 200 for a whole 12 months, right? Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that I had a second fail in that one. The second fail, I did the recordings um, differently. I didn't do a whole production. The sound quality was great, but I just kind of recorded shows when I felt like it. Okay. Yeah. And just kind of popped them on like without any. Um... So that was another really nice mistake because people like predictability. Yes. Yes. A lot of consistency. Yeah, so I was completely inconsistent in 2016. Then I got to go on Entrepreneur on Fire. I was a guest on that program, and John Lee Dumas was the host. And that show is so amazing. Yes, and yeah. his he's comes he has a military background, and everyone knows this about him. And yes. so he has everything running like clockwork, like everything runs beautifully. And I got to be a part of that. And that was my big aha moment when I shifted everything and I created a third Erica Glessing show, which then took off. Oh, very good. Yeah, I actually I have a message from him that I, uh, I keep forgetting to reply. It's about his Freedom Journal and selling it on, on Amazon. A question that uh, uh, something that I've been forgetting to talk to him about. But uh, I, yeah, he he actually came on my show when that on the day that journal came out mm -hmm. because he asked me. Well, he didn't come on my show that day, but we aired him on my show uh, to help promote his Freedom Journal, which is really I felt good to be a part of that too. That felt nice. Yeah, very good. And he has, I, I believe, a couple thousand episodes right about now, right? 
which is really impressive. I was 1,489. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how many he has now, but he went down to weekly. Yes, it went down to weekly, and now because of the huge demand and the number of downloads, he he actually charges $5,000 per guest. Nice. Yeah. So That's a difficult problem to have. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So how do you go from a couple failed podcasts to now two that you run yourself? You also teach people how to create and launch podcasts and nothing better than failing at it to to learn the lessons so right uh, i give you exactly. that so how do you go from launching two fail ones now to having two successful ones and teaching other people well um to me what i'm seeing is the podcast is still growing it's it's growing vastly so i think just even a year ago there might have been 500,000 podcasts and then the last number i looked at i think there were 800,000 podcasts so it's wow. grown by but if you look at that compared to 18 million, probably 20 million books, right? So there's books, there was 18 million the last time I launched a book. So hmm. 18 million books, and there's only still, let's just guess 800,000 podcasts. And then let's just say 100,000 of those are kind of like not really on, right? Like people gave up. Mm-hmm. So probably a lot of those listings are not active. So there's still a lot of space in the podcast space. There's Even though there are more and more people having them, there it isn't like nearly the kind of noise that you see a competition for a book. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I know exactly what you're talking about. Same as the difference between the number of blogs, which is staggering. I, I don't know the numbers, but uh, I remember seeing them. And blogs still get read, but of course, compared to the number of podcasts, it's just incredible. It's tiny, right? Yes, yes. Right? And so what I was seeing as I went through my two, you know, pretty good failures, um, the first one cost a lot of time and energy. And then the second one was just kind of disappointing because I had such good guests. And then I just was like crickets. You know, like no one is listening. And through those processes, I learned what what did work. And also what you don't need to do. Because sometimes people, like I did the first time, they overblow it, right? They go crazy. They get the best production team in the whole world. They invest $10,000 in, you know, equipment. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So when you're, right now, when you're helping somebody build a podcast, we also have the the option to do uh, vodcast, which is the video podcast and audio. In, in my experience, audio is where, uh, for example, for this podcast, 97% of people listen to sound only. Wow. That's a really good number. I didn't know that. Yeah. So Because some of my clients do ask me if they should video or not, like if they should podcast with only audio or if they should um, podcast with audio and video. I like the way that you do it where we connected in the beginning, we're maybe chatting by video, but then turning it off for the bandwidth uh, for audio. However, I have one client. She is so gorgeous. <laughs> She's gorgeous inside and out. Her name is Melina Harrison. I'll give her a little tiny shout out. And she's creating a podcast. And 
for her, she also lives like, I think she lives like on an island or, you know, she lives somewhere like she does the life, like she does it. She's one of the entrepreneurs that's making it, right? Yes, yeah. And so, and she teaches like productivity. And I really felt that if she did use a video, it would appeal to her audience, which is sort of the mompreneur, right? Mm -hmm. And I just think it's a very visual she's she's very visual like she's fun to look at i don't just mean attractive i mean like she's engaged and and funny and you know what i mean like yes yes like I do she know. has she's she's very um animated on video i guess i'd call it videogenic right yeah that's so a, g- a great i'm term. not videogenic at all like i'm not at all like it doesn't add to my audience whereas with audio like people like my voice like I've heard that my whole life you know that makes sense so I think you can kind of like um discern if having video shot would be to your advantage um I I also I have to say though like the whole fun thing about a podcast is like you could be in a hotel and just cut or you could just cut a couple of things you know it's so easy like I have a portable mic. I have a mic box that it microphone box. My, oh, yes. Microphone goes in this cute little box that's padded and it can fly with me anywhere. It can go in any laptop case and I can just uh, pop out you know, the microphone. I was in uh, Las Vegas for a class and just brought it out, cut a couple episodes, you know, put it back in there and, and it was so easy. Whereas with video, it's a different level of everything. So you have to think about that too, like what what you want to have in your life, like you know. Absolutely, yeah. And I know, I know what you're saying because I have the same thing. I have a setup for when I travel, and it's it could be the same box you have. It's a tiny box. <laughs> it can be flattened, and it has it has the soundproofing foam inside. Right, right. Too. And, and then when I travel, I take a one of those microphones with a, a tripod. It's a blue snowball. Uh huh. And I put it inside the box, and I, from my hotel, I can do the podcast anywhere. And it's the same setup while here at so the office. So much ease. Yeah. Whereas, like, if I showed up to a hotel room and I wanted to expect to be able to do video, you just can't expect that. Like, it may or may not be attractive. You just don't know. Yes. Like, I mean, depending. And then even if you have a beautiful place, the light might be weird. Like, you could have too much light or too much sun or too little light. And so, um, you know, for me, it doesn't work to have video as part of the podcast. Also, video editing is exceptionally more expensive. So sound editing, I mean, not necessarily. Like, you, if you had someone on your team, like, say you had a talented kid or something mm-hmm. in your life, you could get the video editing. Video editing also takes seems to take more time. Uh, however... You know, I wouldn't rule out video if it's going to be strategic and it depends on your goals. Like, you can't really make these decisions in a vacuum. Absolutely. And, and yes, I did have a lot of video editing that I tried myself. It's it's so tedious. It is almost impossible. I'm, I'm no expert at video editing. And I tried it, of course. And to edit uh, 10 minutes of podcast, it could take me guaranteed one hour. So, yes, I outsource the video editing as well every time I have any video to to be done. I have to outsource almost all the editing. 
I, I'm really creative, but I'm not, I'm not a, uh, I'm not really an editor. I can like lay in intros and outros, but, uh, I outsource almost all that stuff. I try to focus on, um, I try to focus on, first of all, really finding exceptional guests. I find that that's pretty challenging to proactively choose guests or to, you know, to like have really guests that are, I don't know, like sometimes you just get it easy and it's a good fit and it's no problem. But um, I like to go after unattainable guests too and see <laughs> see if they open my emails. <laughs> Yeah, so you have you, big sisters watching. <laughs> <laughs> so you have a tracker on you. Is it a, you send it through Gmail and then you see at what time they opened it and how many times they opened it? Yeah, so if somebody <laughs> opens it like thirty times, I'm all over that person. Yeah, I'm all oh, you know. Then I then I send, if they're showing that much interest, then I'm gonna if if they don't even open it, then I don't send another email. See? Yes. Yeah. But if I, they open something like thirty times. Then and that's actually how I do some of my sales too. That's a little bit of my sales sauce. <laughs> yeah, and you know what's funny is that uh, I um, I was talking to I don't know if you ever heard of Ed Milet. I know. Oh, so he's he's a big big entrepreneur, uh, big guy from the World Financial Group, uh-huh. and um, I talked to him once and I said you know you should come on the podcast. We'll talk about failures because he had a, a really rough start in in life and now he's doing fantastic uh like 400 million uh, per year fantastic but uh it was really rough for his start and he's like yes let's let's get this book and then the his assistant who he got me the book with as the one that doesn't answer those emails but opens them and uh, that was frustrating. So shout out to Ed Milet. Hopefully uh, you're listening to this. And uh, <laughs> it's time to get that booked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's true. It's not fail safe. But generally, if someone's um, opening their emails from me, then that indicates to me an interest. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, Eric, uh, tell me something. You you write lots of books. You edit. Uh, you also launch books for other people. But I know that you wrote about 12 yourself in one year. Is that right? Well, so just to be clear, um, of all the books I've done, they're almost all group books. Because Mm -hmm. if I get an idea, I want to go to press pretty fast. So I'll invite like 18 people to do a chapter. And then I can go to, then I can write one chapter. Like I write like 4,000 words and then I have an entire book. So that's what I've done 30 times. But I have three books that I've written myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I have Prospect When You're Happy. And I have, uh, which actually I think I'm offering f- as a complimentary download. Yes, I just added that. So if you go to Erica Glessing, if anybody wants a free copy of my very first book, it's called Prospect When You Are Happy. And it's about visioning um the clothes, smiling when you call, you know, it's really woo-woo, but it's nice. Mm-hmm. And that's available for free download. And then I have happiness quotations with my second book. And then I had a third happiness quotations book. So those are my three uh, solo books. And then mm-hmm. uh, I can't name all the other titles, but I have books on happiness, creativity, um, real estate. I have books on lots of different topics that I pulled together experts to write about. Nice. Can you talk, can you talk a little bit about the group books? 
and and how that works because that sounds pretty interesting. You get together and everybody writes a different chapter, and it's pretty cool because not everybody sees things exactly the same. So you can have let's say eight different experts write a chapter each. How does that work? Uh, well, I find about eighteen is a good number. Mm-hmm. So uh, I try to get sixteen to eighteen. So in March this year, uh, the book "The Courageous Self Love Journey" came out, and self love is one of those things I've struggled with. You know, I don't mm-hmm. know why, but it's one of those things: self worth, self love. Like I love everybody else. <laughs> you yeah. know? I love my kids. I love my pets. I love my boyfriend. I love. But it's loving oneself. That's always been sort of like a, you know, like a difficult topic for me. And it's not even that I'm that interested in it. It's just, well, yeah, I'm interested in everything. But it was just one of those topics that I found kind of difficult. And so by, I'd say I have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17 authors plus me um, wrote a chapter about it, you know, three to 5,000 words. And each one, like you said, has a different solution, but I found really cool, very high-level people who teach this topic, unlike myself. I don't teach that topic. And then I was able to, of course, I have beautiful cover design, beautiful back cover design, um, and then the authors get to have their photo and their story inside the book. So that's been something. Um, I also failed at that, though, I have to tell you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's hear it. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well, I offered profit sharing in the beginning, and the books didn't profit that much. (laughs) And so I'd get like, you know, $21 in a month, but there'd be 20 authors. Oh. (laughs) And then of that 21, let's say like 10 went to the printing and the selling (laughs) if I sold like three books. So now I have like, 25 cents a copy Mm. (laughs) and it was an epic fail because the counting was way more expensive than giving the authors their profit and now i just don't do that so i just took that whole piece out i'm like there's no profit sharing you're gonna have the book you can order the book you can celebrate the book you can buy the book you can say that you're an author and we'll get it to number one but uh i don't do that anymore that was just the accounting was miserable and i was miserable at like giving out bits of money like that. It was a horrible experience. I'm still scarred. Can you see those bloody wounds? (laughs) (laughs) That is pretty funny. (laughs) Yeah, so if you're going to do a group book, have it be like a celebrity model where they just get to be part of the book. That's the whole deal. (laughs) Absolutely. So tell me, Erica, where do you get your creativity you're always you're very creative you're always thinking of new ideas new things so where, where do you get this creativity yeah. from well you know i'm gonna i'm gonna point to above for that because i believe in god and i believe that source connects us all and and i believe every single person is creative and you may not be creative like you might be creative in playing hockey like you might have good moves you know mm-hmm. you might be creative in how you can race a bicycle or something um, you might be creative in the kitchen. You know, maybe I'm not. <laughs> in fact, I was going to do uh, homemade biscuits for Thanksgiving. And at the last minute, I bought the biscuit boxes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think when you look at the uh, model of um, 
uh, creativity, it's really asking oneself to be outside the box like every day. Like every single thing could be done a little better all the time, right? Mm-hmm. Like almost nothing couldn't do improvement, you know? So I look at improvement and then I just, um, uh, I don't, that's really a good question. Like, I don't really know how I am that way. Cause like I've been that way since I was a baby. I can say that my parents rewarded it. You know how we, you know how some parents don't like creativity. Yes. Yeah. And you both, got rewarded. Both of my parents celebrated anything creative, any writing, any painting, um, in fact, in the summers, we would we'd go to Mendocino, California, which is by the beach, and we'd make like driftwood weavings with my mom. And we were always doing things. Um, my mom was a television producer, and we would always like do things creatively as a family. So it was something that I not only like was born with, but I think also it was very um, – sanctioned in my upbringing Mm -hmm. and uh is there somebody that inspires you Uh, do you have mentors i do i have a couple of mentors for podcasting john lee dumas is my men i mean i don't know if he considers himself my mentor i don't know if he knows he's my mentor yeah Yeah, he doesn't (laughs) have to but i definitely model myself after him um i have a mentor for like my work in like conscious self-improvement. His name is Toby Alexander and he helps me with like systems. Like, I guess it's kind of like healing work that allows me to have better systems maybe. Okay. And then there are others, but those are the two that come to mind right off. And there's, there's who's the person that you would most likely want to meet? <clears throat> Celebrity entrepreneur, uh, anybody? Um, Wow, that's a good question. Well, you know, <laughs> you're going to think I'm really strange. Well, if, if, no one, if no one knows that I'm strange yet, they're going to figure it out. But I actually had a dream last night of Russell Brunson. He was in my dream telling me how to fix my funnels. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> so if nobody doesn't have click funnels, it's a great service, and I highly recommend it. But I would love to meet him. That would be really fun. Yeah, I'm... Um... I'm wearing his shirt right now. <laughs> you are not. Really? I, I am. Here, have oh, a look. Oh, my gosh. Small world. Oh, <laughs> funnel hacker. <laughs> That's yeah. perfect. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I actually, I don't know if you ever heard him tell the story about the, the prolific zone and, and why people should be in the prolific zone. And it's like uh, you hear the stories about there's people that do things normal and then the ones that are crazy and the ones that are one step before being crazy. And these are the ones that are in the prolific zone. And he tells that story often and actually in a lot of his training too. And I actually bought the domain prolific zone and uh, I have my, my Amazon agency is on uh, prolificzone.com. So oh, nice. <laughs> that was because of, because nice. of his idea. So, Oh, that's amazing. Very good. And uh, he sponsored this show a couple times already. So, (laughs) (laughs) you know, be careful what you ask for, right? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You know, I I love that whole concept of like degrees of separation. 
And I actually believe in our era with uh, Instagram and Twitter and, and Facebook and everything that instead of six, everyone being six degrees of separation, it really feels more like two or three degrees of separation. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I do. Uh, Erica, if somebody's starting out a podcast right now, uh, what's some advice that you would give them? Because as I started a couple, uh -huh. I, actually, so I do have a third podcast that I do not release content to. And the story is that I bought the rights to uh, research that um, doctor had done, and this was about depression. And he had a huge amount of research, many years of research, and I bought the rights to that research to publish a book with his research hmm. and ended up, ended up turning it into an audiobook as well. And before I got to, to launch this, and to be honest, I may had the wrong reasons for doing it. I was, of course, I wanted to sell it. So, and of course, to make, make money with it. And the, the audio book, the Kindle and paper, paper book as well. And right before I launched, there was something that happened and a bunch of celebrities actually killed themselves. And, and, uh, and then it was in the news and everybody made a big deal out of it. And I started thinking that happened because they were celebrities, but there's so many people out there in so much, I know, uh, mental pain and, and struggles. And because they're not celebrities, nobody knows about it. And I made a decision that day, I'm going to put it out for free. So I had paid for the voiceover to do the um, audio part of the book and everything. So I put I uh, created a site where I download the book. The book was available for free to download, and the audio side of it, I made eight episodes of it, where all eight chapters of the book were read, and on an episode of the podcast. And it's still out there. I don't update content because it's done, but it's out there so people can hear it for free. And then I have the other the two, but starting out. It's always very slow, right? You look at the numbers when you launch mm. and you get, you know, okay, I launched and I got six people to listen. And then week two, okay, now you can get 60. And then, and then the numbers start to multiply. And, and of course, it gets, it gets to the thousands. If you are consistent, then you keep going. Right. And so I kind of I just answered a little bit of the question, but what is the advice that you have for somebody starting out if they want to launch a podcast? Well, first of all, I would go back in and only give away the first chapter free to the book, and then I would charge for the rest of it. And I do the same thing for the audio. I'd give one snippet free, but then because when people pay for it, they're more willing to heed the advice. Mm, if they yeah. get it free, then they don't really think it's worth anything. So I do like one book free of my 35 <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. or I do like one taster day free, like an uh, Amazon day free of free downloads. And then I go back to charging for it because products do like to make money for their people. So mm -hmm. um, before I start a podcast, I want to have a vision for it. So I want to picture it like integrated into my business a year from now. And so it's really important to, if you go in saying, well, I'm going to do this, I'm pretty sure it's going to fail and I'm pretty sure it's just going to take a lot of energy and it's not going to give me anything because I've tried it before. <laughs> yes. 
right? I mean, how many of us will start something thinking, oh, you know, th- I know this won't work, right? Well, a podcast is very sensitive and it will do what you tell it. So if you accidentally think it's going to fail, it's very good at failing. So I think it's really important to first vision a podcast a certain way. Like for me with the Erica Glessing show, I said, I'm willing to create you if you'll make me money. So show me how, like show Mm -hmm. me the best way for you as a show to bring me income. And so I was able to get that aligned and have it bring me money. And I, I can't tell every single thing on this one podcast interview because that'd be crazy. We'd be talking for three weeks, but (laughs) um, basically I set clear intentions and then I allow my behavior to go into alignment with those intentions. So if I'm setting up clear intention for the podcast um, also, even if it is partly to make money there, I also have found that there needs to be a benevolence to it or a, it can't be driven by pure ego. Like they don't viral when a person's saying, I'm great. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. So there needs to be, and that's a really a je ne sais quoi. It's like if it's too I'm great feeling, which is really hard to explain. Um, it, in real estate, they call it puffery. Like you're not allowed to say stuff that's way out of alignment with the truth. <laughs> you're not mm-hmm. supposed to. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you can say three beautiful fireplaces, but you can't say certain things if they're not true. It's called puffery. And so I think with podcasts, there's something in there like that where the host ha- has an approach of questioning questions or vulnerability, or I'm curious, not I am the badass of everything, you know, mm-hmm. because what I've seen with the shows where someone has kind of the wrong tone um, is it's really hard for it to get you fans. If you already have fans and followers, the rules are a little different than just be true to you and you're fine. Right. Exactly. But if you're using it to bring you new fans and followers or bring business to your entrepreneuriness, whatever your business is also, Contrary to popular belief, you don't have to have your podcast be your expertise, right? You can have your podcast be something you're deeply fascinated in, you're deeply good at, and if you're excellent at it, it will bring people to you. They will like that excellence, and then they might want to work with you in your expertise. So, like, I don't have a podcast about making podcasts, you know? Mm -hmm. I have a podcast about creative expression, and energy clearing. And I have a podcast where I interview entrepreneurs on creativity, but neither of them are about what my business is. And I know that's a little counterintuitive. Some people believe it should only be your brand, but I don't know. I I think a podcast should be make your heart sing and you just have to figure out what that is. (laughs) Yes. You know, I, there's one (laughs) podcast that I listen to and on the intro, they say this every day and it's, uh, uh, just remember, I am not the expert. I'm interviewing the experts. And uh, isn't that a nice tone? Exactly. It's and, such and, a nice tone. And the truth is, he is an expert, right? Right. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk says it's like when you move to a new area, you make friends with the cool people, and they all come to your house, and then you get to be seen as the person having cool people at your house. And so if you have cool people on your podcast, it's like 
you're going to be perceived as cool. <laughs> <laughs> you're one of the cool kids. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I interview people. They don't have to be rock stars. I mean, they have to be really interesting. And um, I have to believe my audience will get something out of the interview. I mean, I think that's what I'm trying to do is like bring value to my audience. And as long as I stay focused on bringing value, and then, you know, it's the podcast is kind of like a blog. It's funny you brought that up because it's sort of like anything goes, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, as long as we're giving content, making somebody happy, it's uh, or giving them information uh, at the same time. Right. It's uh, a lot of people replaced their music listening with podcast listening. Uh, just yesterday, I was talking to somebody at um, an Amazon meetup and they were saying that. Uh, they don't listen to music anymore. Every time they're on the treadmill, there's a podcast running through their ears. Oh, that and, makes me happy. <laughs> and and when they're driving, they listen to podcasts. And that's yeah. the truth to me as well, because I, even in the shower, I have a waterproof speaker in my shower where wow. I, play, I play a podcast while I'm showering. My wife hates wow. it because I'm in there half an hour at a time <laughs> because I got to listen to the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> wow well it's it's really interesting when we look at like um how much how our podcasts are changing like the whole environment of the media i think when i first started i wanted to be when i first started publishing authors i wanted to take up space in the media that was good works like i had been a news reporter so I had done my share of writing about negative stuff. <laughs> you know, I had written about murders. I'd written about, you know, drama. I'd written about city council meetings and school board budget cuts. And I had had all that negativity. And I went, you know, we could fill the airwaves with something else. And that was kind of my intention when I went into the podcast business. Very good. And now, Erica... If everybody that's listening to us uh, wants to start a podcast, if they want to launch a book, if they want to just uh, get in touch with you, where can they find you? Uh, EricaGlessing.com. I have a, right now, uh, as of, you know, hopefully it'll still be true when they're listening. Uh, you can get a free podcast sort of download video it's a seven part series on how to podcast it's free and then i also have a copy of my first book up but i don't know how long that'll stay up and uh that's uh all at ericaglessing.com and uh you can actually send me a a gmail but it's it's actually happy publishing at gmail.com there you go i'll have all that on the show notes erica glessing i'll have your linkedin twitter instagram Facebook, where you have a group with, uh, is it a group or a page with 60,000? Oh, Happiness Quotations has 60,000 on my page, yeah. yes. There you yeah, go. that's uh, Facebook. Yeah, that, I'll, I'll give you all that. That's all. If you go to ericaglessing.com, all my um, socials are up on the top. Perfect. Yeah. There you go. And if you're listening, you better rush while that offer is still available right now at ericaglessing.com. <laughs> yeah. Erica, it was a pleasure talking to you. This was a great oh, thank interview. You, thank you, Quinn. It was so much fun. Thank you. Have a great one. Thanks for subscribing to Fail Fast Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review and visit failfastpodcast.com for show notes, Quinn's social media, or even to tell us your story. <laughs>